If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A serious conversation about Lizzo's serious booty. It's one more thing. Armstrong and Getty. One more thing. But before we get to Lizzo's booty, there's plenty of booty to get to. Yikes. Michael has a story. What do you have for us, Michael? Why don't I go ahead and play the clip first? Okay. This reminds me of something. Do we need to know what this is? Uh, this was a kindergarten class where uh, tequila was accidentally brought into the classroom by one of the young kids. Okay. He claimed she drank four to five sips. She's feel like a little woozy. She's a little dizzy when we went in, in there with the principal. We asked her, was she okay? How did she feel? She said a little dizzy. She said the girl poured it in her cup and she drank it and then... The girl ended up telling her what it was. So she went to the teacher and told the teacher that it's liquor in this cup, and the teacher gave her, like, a funny face. I'm not sure if they short-staffed or whatever, but, you know, it shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have. Uh, so, five-year-olds yeah. drinking tequila. How did somebody accidentally bring tequila to kindergarten? One of the students, one of the young kids, got it from home and brought it in and was, like, passing it out to the students. <laughs> Hey, class has been kind of boring lately. Let's uh, let's have a party, huh? Yeah, well, when I was young, I didn't bring in tequila, but I brought in cough syrup. And back, way back in the late 70s, they used to fill it with like 20, it was a lot of alcohol They still do. They still do. So it was grape flavored. I drank it. I loved it. And I snatched it out of the cabinet and I took it to uh, preschool. And the teacher was wondering what was wrong with me, and I got my mom got the call. Michael just keeps laughing and laughing. We don't know what's wrong with him. <laughs> you showed up to school hammered. Yes. At how age? Wow. Yeah. You're yeah. Geez, I was maybe four. Wow, whipped up a batch of the purple drink, getting high on the cough syrup. Maybe it really take a really take the the edge off the whole. Wheels in the bus go round and round. Not so much round and round. I'm feeling a little woozy. <laughs> Um, four or five sips of tequila for those other kids. That's, you know, close to a shot. A shot of tequila is enough when you weigh 35 pounds. <laughs> I would say, yeah, that's not good. 
Wow, recess is going to get wild. So, uh, was that the one and only time you've ever been drunk when you were four? Oh, no, I've been drunk before. Okay. Earlier than that, like when you were three? Oh, (laughs) later in life. But, uh, yeah, that was my first time. I don't even remember it, but... I guess my mom got in quite a bit of trouble. You know, the doctor said, you need to hide this stuff. He loves this stuff. Because I guess it tasted really good. Wow. I, I remember cough syrup tasting horrific as a kid. Yeah, I could barely I, take it and not puke. It still does. The stuff I give my kids is still terrible tasting. They try to make it cherry or whatever they make it, but it's... Um, Although I, I can't... Sp- specifically say I, I have this on good authority but my mom told me as i was a kid i said why does this stuff taste so horrible and she said it's to prevent kids from taking it when they shouldn't ah uh, yeah yeah I it's don't, intentionally I, gross i that may have been the case i know though they haven't done a good job with that with like um you know uh ibuprofen and stuff like that because it tastes like candy and I want my kids oh, were younger they stuff, wanted yeah they want they would they would pretend they had a headache so they could get more of that well, as you know, I take most medicines in suppository form, so I wouldn't know uh, how ibuprofen tastes. No, you're, a lot of your cold I just and know cough. how it fits. <laughs> a lot of your cold and cough medicine, Michael, is still, like, got more alcohol in it than, uh, than wine. I mean, it's heavy duty. Um, us alcoholics, we have to keep an eye on that because a lot of your medicine, you, you know, you read the label, it's big time on the alcohol that's that's why it works that's what helps you get to sleep <laughs> a lot of times so. i was talking to this uh, guy he's a big history fan and he was explaining uh, gosh what how did we get on the conversation had to do with like the kentucky bourbon trail or something this uh, my buddy steve's a huge uh, bourbon enthusiast in fact i Oh, I, I'm not sure i'm supposed to say this he may be fleeing a certain western state anyway um he was saying back in the day, back in Prohibition days, the two guys you wanted to invite to dinner were the uh, the priest or the local clergyman and the pharmacist because they could both get alcohol mm. legally for communion or medicine or, or whatever. So you'd have them over to dinner and you'd all, uh, you know, uh, get your drink on. I'll be darned. Continues till the, today. So uh, back to Lizzo's big booty. So do you know who Lizzo is? She's a music artist. She's giant. Uh, she's a got to choose my words more carefully. She's a, I was about to say she's very big. She's a uh, very successful recording artist. She's she's a sensation. As she mentioned on Saturday Night Live, she was the host of Saturday Night Live the other night. She mentioned she's really, really rich, and I'm sure she is. She's had a couple albums in the row that sold gazillions of copies. But she is a a very large woman. And that's part of her thing is flaunting her obesity. um, And uh, And being like proud of it and excited about it. Yeah, I don't know. Or how would you describe it? Well, that's why I wanted to talk about this is, is she just comfortable with it? And that'd be a good thing. You know, I don't I don't want people who are overweight although she's not just a little overweight she's she would be in the category of maybe morbidly obese like you said earlier she's certainly very very obese on any bmi chart oh yeah yeah i'm looking at pictures and it's funny she gets bigger and smaller as we all do but yeah she's absolutely dangerously overweight yeah and she's comfortable with, with it and like i said i don't want people to feel guilt or ashamed or whatever but it's a terrible health situation and uh, she sings a lot of songs about being sexy and heavy, and she wears very little clothes, and she poses naked a lot. And all her background sing- singers are 
extremely obese also. And I just wondered, is that, uh, does that make sense? I guess it gets to the question of, is there anything you can do about it? As I was watching them sing on Saturday Night Live, she's up there singing in very, very tight clothing that shows every bit of the extent to which she is extremely obese. Um, And her background singers also. And I was thinking, you know, they look, they, that's not what all Americans look like, but they are closer to all Americans what all Americans look like than your typical background singers. Cause there ain't hardly nobody looks like most background singers who are 0% body fat. So from that standpoint, I guess it makes more sense, but yeah, you know, I, I don't want to condemn it. Exactly. I, I think it's a little odd at this point, as heavy as she is, she ought to lose as much weight as she can, but that's extremely hard to do and extremely hard to keep it off for reasons we've discussed through the years. Um, it's a delicate balance. I don't want people walking around hating themselves because they're overweight. I'm overweight. Um, but at the same time, the whole fat acceptance thing is denying the terrible, terrible health problems connected to being seriously overweight, including is, dying of COVID. Is there a way for society to say that's okay, but it's not okay? You don't need to feel bad about yourself. Nobody should make fun of you. But it's not okay to be that overweight. It's not okay. Maybe there's nothing you can do about it as hard as you try. I don't know. But it's not okay. It is going to be serious problems. Your joints are going to give out. Your heart's going to give out. Are you The, the n- number of health problems Lizzo and her background singers are going to have throughout their lives when they're no longer 25, very expensive, very painful, so can you say that's okay and and that's not okay at the same time? And just to bottom line, it, it will almost surely kill you prematurely. Oh yeah. Um, it's it's I think it's an artifact of our times, acting as if something is one thing when any sober analysis of it makes it clear it's another. It's the whole uh, advocate what makes you feel good, not what is actually good and effective in terms of policy. I don't know. I think it's it's all connected somehow. We're well, spending like, beyond our means. I don't know. Is that connected? I don't know. Well, it's like Bill Maher's always talking about with COVID. And it's, you know, he's a tough messenger on this because he's one of those skinny as a rail Hollywood vegetarian types. But COVID was horribly deadly for obese people. And it rarely got any conversation whatsoever because nobody wanted to make obese people feel bad. That doesn't seem productive. No, I have. Uh, I think I closed the window I had open with the stats about the percentage of people who died from uh, COVID who were uh, significantly overbeast or had diabetes. It is such a big percentage, and I wish I could remember the number. I apologize, I don't have it, but it is such a big percentage. It should have led every discussion of deaths from COVID, In the or same at least way- been a significant part. Well, as much as we mentioned it was a disease of the old, we should have mentioned it was a disease of the very fat. Yes. Always. And why wouldn't you? So that's what I'm thinking, that we ought to move toward a it's okay, but it's not okay. Somehow. Right. Yeah. And you'd think human beings could handle that, that subtlety. I mean, Lizzo, for instance, extremely talented, confident, smart, um, has has is taking on life in a way that many of us would envy. Um, would I want to like belittle her or, or think she shouldn't be doing that? No, of course not. The whole 
hanging lantern on how big she is thing. To what extent is that just part of, look, I make music and I'm big and, and, and heavy. Um, does that need to be part of her act? I mean, it's not like the great meatloaf. And there aren't many uh, super big pop stars to compare or, you know, talk about here. But it's not like Meatloaf let his belly hang out or anything like that. So you could see his big old Dunlap. I mean, or his, you know, fat, fat Heine or anything. I mean, no, he he dressed uh, like an elegant big man. You know, Adele lost a lot of weight. And when she lost weight, there was a lot of people that were shaming her for losing weight. Yeah, because people are (laughs) <laughs> yeah, see, that's oh, so not close. Effing stupid. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm get, trying to get to in a very clumsy way is that is the wrong direction. The idea that you're betraying something if you're not that big or if you decide to do that's that's not good. We don't want to go there. What was it? What was that uh, Disney pop star princess gal who's checked out of social media? And uh, everything? Selena Gomez. Yeah. Do you have that tape uh, from the I other do. day? Right that was so I amusing. It. Yeah, it's. So I wish I had- Speaking so of online trolls, God dang it, Michael. Let me introduce the effort. I'm sorry. Um, speaking of online trolls commenting on weight gain, weight loss, etc. So I be trying to stay skinny, but I went to Jack in the Box and I got four tacos, three egg rolls, onion rings, and a spicy chicken sandwich. But honestly, I don't care about my weight because people bitch about it anyway. You're too small. You're too big. That doesn't fit. I am perfect the way I am. Moral of the story? Bye. Well, see, but that that gets to... It's all a matter of degree. She's just not movie star skinny. That is okay. Right. That is perfectly okay. But being dangerously overweight is not... The idea that I'm, I love who I am and I, I'm perfectly okay with I'm, you shouldn't be okay with that. There's no, no. there's no upside to being okay with being morbidly obese. Yeah, it's like being okay with being a chain smoker. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't know if you've noticed Cicely Strong on Saturday Night Live. She's one of the most successful cast members of the last however many years. She used to be super skinny. And it wasn't until she gained weight and I heard her in an interview saying that was an anomaly. She got super skinny to be on Saturday Night Live. And she's very attractive. Uh, She's now back at her normal, that's the way she's always looked size now, which is very close to like, you know, what normal people look like. She's not Mm -hmm. super heavyweight, but she's not skinny. She's not a skinny person at all. Um, That level of acceptance makes... Perfect sense. We should get way closer to that. The idea that because hardly anybody is skinny. Yeah. You know, the the interesting part about that Selena Gomez clip is she says, I don't care about my weight because people say you're too fat. You're too skinny. That doesn't. And what she's saying is, I don't care what other people think of my weight. And I think the Lizzo thing is an example of not worrying what other people think of your weight becoming you don't worry about your weight and those Mm. are two different questions entirely right and because we're such a online commenting on each other weirdo paranoid society if if i don't if if i've reached a point where i'm stealing myself against criticism of me but that turns off my own self you know appraisal self-criticism that's not healthy Hmm. 
I guess we have to go through these extremes to deal with things, right? I guess. I don't know. So fat All I know is were... I ate like a freaking hog over the weekend and gained a, a pound and a half. Of course, really? nobody was fat not that very long ago. Practically nobody. Yeah. Yep. She, uh, I wonder how she hires background singers and gets around any sort of hiring laws. Yeah, what if somebody who's just skinny as hell and can dance like a stare and has a great voice? She just says, get out of here, beanpole. <laughs> I'm not going to employ you. You're disgusting. Go hit the drive-thru and come back in a week. <laughs> you gain 10 pounds, we'll talk. I guarantee you I'll never be a background dancer. I can't dance. Well, I guess that's it. 